let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey everybody, welcome Stop to... in the name <laughs> of love. <laughs> As always, I'm Andrew. <laughs> and this is my beautiful wife, Emily, that you heard. Gosh. Uh, reenacting a classic Jordan family tradition in our home, at least. Oh my gosh, the kids sing that. We only know that one line. I don't even know any of the rest yeah. of the song, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, no, the kids know um, that I will call out two songs, or the, the first line of two songs. I guess that's not the first line, I don't think. But yeah. anyway, the beginning part of a line in two songs, and it's stop, and then they finish the rest of it, and then... What's the other one? What is love? Oh, yeah, what is love? And then the kids go, baby, baby don't, don't hurt me. <laughs> yeah, so that's what our kids do, and Emily invited you into the Jordan family tradition. So yeah. welcome to Illyria. That's another thing we say all the time. We basically live in no. movie quotes and song quotes. We do. We really do. So, honey. Yes. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. So I thought it was fitting last... So this past week was our seventh anniversary. Yes. And so last week we had a 50th anniversary episode with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And which was pretty cool. this week we are having our seventh anniversary episode. Yeah, so you get lots of marriage content. Lots so. of marriage <laughs> content. I really enjoyed last week's episode. Oh my I think gosh, I love it. Last that. week's episode was one of the my, my favorite. Yeah. If you have not had the opportunity to just sit down and like legit ask your grandparents for advice and you're you're blessed enough to still have your grandparents around, please, please, please take the time to do that. Um, because though when you sit down and you ask for advice, you just get a totally different side of your grandparents. Yeah, right. it was it was very cool. Yeah, because my grandparents are awesome, and they're always, always inspirational and always kind and wonderful. And and uh, but even with that, you don't get as concentrated goodness as you you as I did as we did during our last episode. Yeah, yeah. Like when you sit down one on one, or I guess two on two, for the episode. Um, together and to talk specific questions. It was just, it was phenomenal. Yep. So if you haven't heard that one or listened to it, go back and listen to that one. It was so good. Yeah, it was super, super good. But today we are going to talk about our marriage. Our marriage. So seven years. Yes. Um, I'm curious to know, like, we don't always know a lot about our listeners, like, because... It's, it's very one-sided. Well, it's hard so to gauge. It's hard to gauge yeah. that. So I don't know. How, maybe many of you have been married much longer than we have. May, maybe many of you have not. So we're not really sure. But um, do you remember when it was our sixth anniversary? And I was I, w- I said something on social media or something about like seventh year coming up or whatever. And, and then I heard about the seven-year itch. And someone was like, Someone said something about the seven-year itch, and I was like, what the heck is that? So I had to look it up. 
but do you remember me talking about I, that? I don't remember this. I, I remember this vicariously because you asked me if I remember right before the episode. Yes. <laughs> but I do not remember this. This is one okay. of those things that was saved away into a deep, dark file yeah, in no, my mind. Okay. Um, but I had forgotten about it until, like, today. So I went, like, the whole year without even thinking about it. But then remembered today and was like, oh, yeah, well, good. No, we didn't have that. But basically, the seven... Well, I didn't have that. <laughs> but the seven-year itch, apparently, is... I guess some sort of research has shown that by seven years of marriage, um, couples will get irritated or bored or have some buyer's remorse about being together or their marriage or having like starting to have more serious issues. And I thought that was very interesting that there there's a pattern with this seven-year thing. But then I read an article today, too, that was like the seven-year itch is becoming the two- to three-year itch. And I thought, how sad is that? That, like... I mean, it is sad to have any year itch, but <laughs> but that it's two to three years. Thinking back to our two to three years of marriage, we were still getting to know each other. Like, I mean, we're, we're still getting to know each other now, but we were still such babies. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just rambled on about that. I'm sorry. Well, I think it's interesting because I, I don't think that it's... Well, while we have not experienced this, right? We've right. talked about this. Mm-hmm. And this has not been our experience. And maybe go right. into a little bit more detail. What do you mean by the seven years? It's just like, like people are getting, like people are like getting antsy. Oh, I don't really, I mean, I don't know. I didn't read a ton about it, but that, um, there's like more fighting and more, more bickering, more, um, more affairs, more distance, I guess. And I guess the, the move to the two to three has been because of, social media and more like intimate friendships at work and um, more window shopping window shopping <laughs> i guess instagram like, window shopping staying in touch with ex-boyfriends through social media or ex-girlfriends and that yeah well like, it, it is it's difficult because there's like an expectation that like men and women are the same in the workplace and so you can't treat like you can't have preferential relationships with one sex or the other mm-hmm and I just don't, I personally don't listen to that norm, mm-hmm. right? So I'm very professional and cordial and it's not like I'm rude or anything, but like I try and personally in my professional life, I try and limit like one-on-one interactions with members of the opposite sex for, for too long. Right. I appreciate that. Um, and I generally, if it can be avoided, I av- avoid being in in cars alone with a member of the opposite sex um right and, and sometimes it's just not practical right in, in the business world now there are you know there are lots of women and you interact with with men and women all day and so there are sometimes where you do have to just have like you have a one-on-one meeting with a woman and that, mm-hmm. that just happens mm-hmm. but even there just like trying to keep it professional still friendly but not like not personal not yeah or overly personal yeah, not overly personal. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so that, that is, it, it is an interesting, interesting struggle. And it's one that I'm still trying to navigate because I want to make sure that I'm not, like, not, like, encouraging inappropriate feelings or putting it, putting myself or others in a situation where inappropriate feelings can start, but not doing it in a way that's, in, like, in, or unprofessional or... Um, 
unnecessarily rude mm-hmm. or yeah. short or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you were starting to say that although we haven't like felt this oh. seven-year itch, that it doesn't mean that it isn't real. Maybe some of our listeners have experienced something like and, this. And what I was saying and, is, is it's not necessarily... I wasn't saying that it's not necessarily real. I was more referring to it's it's not necessarily like a sign that you're you're in a bad relationship, no, or anything like that, right? I I don't think it has anything to. It doesn't indicate that there's an issue with your relationship. No, it just might mean that you you recommit your choice and you say, hey, like I don't care, um, like what I'm. I don't even know how to say this. Well, maybe it's just that, like, okay, we've settled in so much into a groove that, like, like we need to recommit to each other. And, like, whether that means going on more dates or getting to know each other better or um, mixing up your routine or figuring out how you can keep things exciting. Yeah, I think one of the best pieces of marriage advice we received right before we were married, and this is, yeah, that's kind of a difficult thing to say just because they're, you get so much advice. So much advice. So much advice. Yeah. And we were lucky. I, I felt like we didn't get a lot of stupid advice <laughs> or like a lot of unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. Like we were open about asking yeah. our, um, like our mentors and people we looked up to for marriage advice. And one of the things that was told to us that I loved was you go into marriage with the expectation that divorce is not an option. Yeah. Right. And I say that with a caveat, right? So obviously things like abuse and um, I'll just leave it there. Abuse and things like that, right? That obviously is an excuse or not not an excuse is a justification for divorce, right? If you're not honoring the divine nature of your spouse or your spouse is not honoring your divine nature, then that is something that, in my mind, would, would justify a divorce. Mm-hmm. But other than those kind of extreme instances, mar- divorce is not an option in a celestial marriage, right? And that means when you have those, like the, that itch, or you have those that buyer remorse, or you're struggling, or you're fighting, or whatever it is, the idea of divorce never, be, like never creeps into your mind it's never an option mm-hmm. and therefore that you don't turn that into a sense of hopelessness right you mm-hmm. turn it into a okay so that means if divorce is not an option what do i need to do to recommit or to be happier or to improve our communication skills or whatever it is so i, I and i don't like i said i want to reiterate i don't think that Having an itch or buyer's remorse or whatever it is, I don't think that is necessarily an indication of a bad marriage or a bad relationship. I think those things can be natural. Uh, I know so we own a, a, or part owners in a behavioral health clinic, and so we have lots of marriage counseling done at our um, at our clinic, and I've spoken with our therapist a lot about marriage and about the problems he sees and whatnot and there are a lot of people who struggle with those kinds of thoughts and, and they, they can be very normal mm-hmm. like they're, they're not abnormal they're not indicative of a bad relationship so if you're having those it's not indicative of a bad relationship it just means you need to recommit mm-hmm. right? and you just need to put some more effort into 
into your marriage. Yeah. Um, we're actually going to have this therapist on as a guest pretty yeah, soon. Probably not next week, but the following week. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think he's going to be talking. I mean, we haven't recorded with him yet, but we're planning on talking to him about balancing like parenthood and keeping your mental health good in parenthood. Yes, that's the plan. But so, if, we'll you, <laughs> if you're listening to this episode and you want to ask a therapist some questions... Let us know, and we will. Yeah. We will. Uh, we can pivot our episode towards whatever your questions are. But yep. that's the direction we're heading right now with that episode. Yep, for sure. Okay. Do you remember okay. <laughs> the last topic I, I started like that? Do you okay. remember? Um, and I I know you do remember this, so maybe I won't even ask that. But a while ago, two years, I think it was in twenty twenty. Um, we were guests on a podcast. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. But. We were never actually guests on a podcast. <laughs> we were guests on. on she recorded. A there was this marriage podcast lady, and she recorded with us for us to be guests on this podcast about um, the topic was like millennial marriage, and it was a Christian marriage podcast. And she just rubbed Emily wrong. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, She just was very, very pessimistic about millennials and about our ability as a generation to be married and to, like, to have successful marriages and to be happy and remain, like, faithful and Christ-centered in our marriage. And and I don't even know if that's what it was. Well, well, what was it? Well, explain what happened and then we'll analyze. Honestly, I don't even remember. I just remember the vibe. we, We recorded an episode with her and... She asked us if marriage was hard for us and what were the hardest things about marriage. And we said, for us, marriage hasn't been hard. There have been hard things in life and there have been growing opportunities for both of us as far as communication goes mm-hmm. and understanding like different differences in love languages. But that's no- a normal part of developing a relationship. Mm-hmm. But marriage hasn't been hard for us. I would not describe marriage as hard. Yes. So I, and then, but then she kept like prying or like not prying, but like, like it was very leading questions yes, trying to get us trying to, to get us to break down and say that like yeah, and so that's that was just kind of her mo. Like yeah. she, her whole podcast. We didn't really know this beforehand. This is why you should do a little more research. Although we we have some episodes or some guests we have on, or we go into other people's podcasts where we're not really aware, mm-hmm. just because there's not a lot of time or a lot of, a lot yeah. of info. And I think that's fine. But her vibe or her mission was, or her mission, but her MO was, hey, marriage is difficult. Let's learn how to fight through the difficulty. So it wasn't a terrible message. No, it wasn't. But it very much felt like she didn't think that we were, people of our generation could handle it. Yeah. And, and I don't think that they couldn't handle it. It's that it was hard for all of them. And she decided not to publish her episode because we did not echo her mission statement. Yeah. Which the longer we've done, it's the the more time that has passed since then, the more I'm more understanding I am. Of that. Well, it still irks me, but. So this I don't is know. this is the problem. I think what she was she's trying to get at is, hey, people from previous generations didn't really talk about how to overcome difficulties in marriage with their kids. 
mm-hmm. and they weren't very open in discussing it. And so there were a lot of unhappy marriages. Okay. And millennials, as millennials are getting married or have been married, I mean, millennials are now like in their 40s, right? 40s? Late 30s. I don't know. I know we're at the young end of millennials. We are the very young end. I mean, yeah. I think the oldest millennials were born in, like, in 1980. Okay, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the years. Right, but. so that's 42. If, if, okay. it was, if it was 80, it's 42 now. Okay, well. Anyway, if... Uh, so the message is that millennials, as they're getting married, they're really, really struggling because they are... She didn't give a reason why they were more emotional, or why specifically they were struggling more than other generations. I think she was attributing it to millennials have a, a real strong desire for self-expression and individuality and quote-unquote genuineness or sincerity. Mm-hmm. And so they feel like they can't be in a relationship that's not perfect because they have these bad, these bad expectations. And so a lot of what she is trying to do is say, hey, look, you can struggle... But you just need to, you can get through it and you can still have a good Christ centered marriage. You just have to acknowledge the struggles and then address them. And that was her thing. And I think she felt that us saying, hey, for us, marriage isn't hard. Marriage can be a, like a wonderful, not, and I would say, I don't know if I would say easy or a fluid or smooth thing mm-hmm. because life's hard. Yeah. But hard things is, happen. But marriage for us has not been hard. No. And I think that message just didn't didn't get with what she was trying to say. I don't know if she right. disagreed with it. I hope she didn't. Uh, she just, I just don't think it was in unison with what she was saying. I think saying, telling millennials and telling Gen Z now that you can have a strong marriage and be happy. And it, marriage be an easy thing, and talk about marriage as a benefit as opposed to a detriment. Mm-hmm. I think that is a, a powerful thing that we need to tell younger couples more. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, that's why I think I was irked with her, and I still am a little irked, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, I think just to kind of go along with what you're saying, like hard things happen, um, and there are like difficult challenges within that come naturally because of marriage like shared responsibility or like combining different schedules or, or lo- um, communication or, or like parenting or like finances. events yeah, yeah finances events that happen like miscarriage or loss of another loved one or a loss of a job or something but um i don't think that those things Make marriage hard. Yeah, I don't think Does that they. That make I don't think that they constitute marriage. Right. Right. Like so. communication can be difficult, can be hard, but like if we aren't working on communicating, and communicating may be difficult, I don't think of that and say like, oh, marriage is so hard because I'm struggling with communication. I, I actually, I think maybe possibly I disagree with you on this one. I don't know. Mm, okay. I don't know. I think communication is. A facet of a relationship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think you could say if the communication's bad, okay. then the relationship is is bad or struggling. So if you, I won't say bad. I'll say no, not if bad, you're yeah. struggling with communication, then you're, you're struggling in your relationship. 
Okay. I think I would say that. So I think so, but even then, if you are both committed to working on communication, mm-hmm. and you're both committed from the beginning to yeah. work on communication, and you're constantly evaluating, like constantly doing little checks along the way, I think it can, it can be easy. Right. So, and it doesn't mean that we never make mistakes, but I think because we were really, really lucky because we both serve in the same mission. Mm-hmm. And we were married not too long after um, we were we had returned from our missions. Right. And so we had we were still very much in the missionary mindset and in the as a missionary for those of you who didn't serve a mission like a full time mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, you're constantly evaluating your relationship with your missionary teaching companion. And you're constantly evaluating your own self. Yeah. So. You're constantly setting goals and working on self-improvement. And so we took that and we just like got home from our mission and then got married and we still had that yeah. that whole vibe and those habits. And, and, and it wasn't even just the general missionary vibe. It was the general missionary culture. It was specific to our mission and like the mission culture that was in play in, in like our the, mission. Yeah, the things that we had learned on our mission, it was cool that that was all in common. Right. And so one of the big benefits for that is we had it built into us that very, very frequently we would say, hey, what can I do better for you? Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think um, I, I think that's been a huge, I don't think, I know it's been a huge blessing for us because we've been able to address communication issues like, as we go, as opposed to it just building up and then blowing right. over. Yeah. Um, when you're a missionary, you have this thing called companionship inventory. Comp inventory. <laughs> and um, it's basically like once a week, you have your weekly planning and you have this companionship inventory where you like sit down and there are certain questions you ask each other to like spark a conversation about how you can work better together and like what things need improvement or what things like are failing or whatever. Um, I don't remember what questions they are off the top of my head, but I feel like as a missionary, like we had those weekly scheduled and it was just for the most part, like awkward and uncomfortable. But as we've made those like informal companionship inventories, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a part of our marriage, like they happen so comfortably and naturally and quite frequently that that it's not uncomfortable. It's just like, it's just part of what our marriage is. Yeah. Just trying to meet each other's needs and pick up slack where I, you pick up the slack where I'm weak and I, like I help you where you're weak and we just kind of fit together. And yeah. And there's, there's still like a, a definite, I don't know. There's definite growth and room for growth, and Absolutely. we've seen that as yeah. as we've been married. I think, I think that when we were first married, you were much, I was much more selfish, and you were much more reticent to express yourself. Yes. And then, as our marriage went on, I became more aware that I was being selfish, and that it was upsetting you, but you weren't. You like did. I didn't want to let that show, and you so I let, let, it, let show. it bottle up. Yeah, and so anyway, I just said that we didn't let it bottle bottle up, but oh, well, we, we yeah. found that, <laughs> like, we identified that fairly early on, and yeah. so I constantly worked at it, and didn't let Emily bottle it up. 
like I would constantly ask her, "Hey, am I doing something?" and and sometimes it would be it, it would be embarrassing. Like it, it wouldn't be hurtful like I was mad at you, but it was embarrassing and I felt really small when I would ask you if I could do anything better and I realized that, "Oh, I was being selfish when I said that." And constantly coming to you and asking for that mm-hmm. was it was a huge help. And I think that's what I mean by it doesn't need to be hard. Yeah. It's if you do little if you do things right and I say right like I know what that is exactly, but it's well, we worked know, out for us so right. far. We know one thing right is that when two people have made a covenant of marriage and are focused on Christ, like that's right. Yes. So that is gonna be like your number one help. If as if both of you are focused on the Savior and improving with him. Yeah, I, and I think that has been I mean, that's, I am not think, again, I keep saying think, but I think it's more of a linguistic crutch than anything else. <laughs> that has been a huge help for us. And it, it's been in some ways, in some ways it's been difficult because it's so antithetical to the way the world looks at love. Mm-hmm. Like the world looks at love as being, at least love between a, a spouse or two spouses is you love them more than, you love your spouse more than anything. Mm-hmm. Right, like that's that's a very common phrase. Say, "I love you more than anything." Right, but in a covenant marriage, you don't love them more than anything. Which sounds like <gasps> yes, <laughs> but you love but, yes, you love the Savior and you love the the gospel. So you love truth more than you can more than you love your than you love your spouse. And what I mean by that is not that I'm kinder to the gospel or the scriptures of the Savior than I am to my wife. It's that if Emily ever tried to get me to do something that was against the gospel and was against the Savior, I wouldn't do it. Right. And she knows that 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 is a a commitment and that is, like, firm. I'm not going to, like, get you to go drinking with me. No. (laughs) Just kidding, I don't drink. (laughs) Don't worry. So... Yeah, but the, so that that's a that's something that's pretty. I don't know if it's antithetical to the way the world talks about love, but it's pretty different. Yeah. And even believing that and knowing that, it's still very easy, natural for me to say I love you more than anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of step away from that. Like I love you more than anything, but actually, that's not true. Like I love. <laughs> but that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And the nice thing about that, though, is that we have a standard by which we can hold ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. And we can help each other move towards that standard. And if there's ever a question about, oh, should we do this or should we do that? So there are still questions that aren't clearly laid out but in the scriptures or in general conference talks. But for the most part, there are general principles and a lot of like the big life questions are already answered for mm-hmm. us, right? And so we can know that, hey, here is a standard and we can hold ourselves and each other to it. And that helps a ton because if you are, if you love each other more than anything, then your spouse is your ultimate standard. And yeah. so it gets really difficult to hold your your spouse accountable or to help them improve or to improve yourself because then if you love your spouse more than, more than anything, then your problem is that you're just kind of drifting and doing whatever they want. 
Uh, now, there's another type of problem where you love yourself more than anything and you just do what you want. And that's also an issue. And I think both of those are a form of idolatry because you're putting someone else before Whoa. God. Whoa. Right? So if you, love, <laughs> yeah. if you love yourself more than God, you are your own idol. If you love your spouse more than you love God, then your spouse is your idol. Wow, I never thought about it like that. And so if your spouse ever comes into conflict or something your spouse wants ever comes into conflict with what the Lord wants and you do what your spouse wants, like you have worshipped your, your wife or your spouse. Yeah. Well, that was very intense. Yeah, but it was intense. Sorry. Yeah, that was really good. Um, what is one thing that you've noticed that we've done better this year how have we improved this year as a couple as or a like, couple. In, like each of us individually? as a couple i think that you again talking about that same thing that i just mentioned you have done a much better job about directly expressing your feelings mm-hmm. i think part of that's been again because we've developed over the past seven years a culture of me asking you <laughs> and i'm yeah better at reading your signs I used to expect him to read my mind. I'm working on that still. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And now I generally know if if something is is wrong. And I I usually have a spidey sense when I'm doing something wrong now or doing something that's bugging you, even if it's not. So obviously I need to work on my communication skills better. (laughs) (laughs) But we're work. But like that that's something that's always always can be improved on. So you're saying that that's something that I have improved on. Yeah, I think you've definitely improved on that. Okay. Definitely. So, as, I mean, like, as a couple, then that's... Yeah, I think our communication skills have, have gotten yeah. better. I, no, think, I would agree. I think you're, you're better at, at being more open, and I'm better at being proactive about checking, hey, is this is this frustrating you? Or, hey, I think you might... Um, let's back up a little bit. Part of, part of the problem is that I am very cerebral... Mm-hmm. And generally very logical. So I, I do have emotions that don't have logical, uh, a logical explanation, but it's not very common. No. And almost none of my emotions have logic behind them. Right. And so s- sometimes I, I know that you'll be upset and n- you won't know why. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think I'm getting better at... at Just accepting that? <laughs> at one, accepting that, right? So that, that's yeah. been a big deal for me, accepting that, hey she feels or you feel something you feel a certain way mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to have a logical explanation right and also knowing that uh, or kind of perceiving when something might be happening that might potentially cause you negative feelings even if you don't understand it or you don't grasp it mm-hmm. right so coming to you and saying hey you've let me go to the gym like a couple of times after work this week um, I don't want you to feel like you are you know, being taken advantage of. Or you're not. I'm not giving you the same amount of time. What can I do to make sure you have time to, to work out this week? Or mm-hmm. Things like that. Being proactive and recognizing, hey, where where what am I doing that might cause hard feelings, and how can I preemptively diffuse that? Because I know that you generally won't logically have an issue with something. You'll just have an emotional reaction, which is totally fine. <laughs> Which is a, a, a yeah. completely valid way of interacting with the with, or it's, it's a completely valid valid way of experiencing the human experience. Mm-hmm. 
And knowing that that's how you experience life, um, I try and be more proactive about helping you address those concerns. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I think one way that we've improved this year is um, that we've prayed a lot more together this year. Yes. And we pray... When we first married, we did a really good job of always praying together. And mm-hmm. then as the kids came, we still did. But then once the kids started saying prayers, and we started, like, family prayer became a bigger deal, I think. Right. Like, it. family prayer kind of took over couple prayer. Not completely, but, like, yeah. Yeah. So, this year we've done a better job about saying, like, um, night prayers together for sure. <laughs> Morning prayers are yeah. still hard. <laughs> well, more problem with morning prayers is we frequently are up at different times, even though we yeah. have like our, our 5.30 alarm to get up. Right. Depending on... Like we're how. having... it's there, There's so much praying. There's just so much praying. Well, it's especially praying. at night. You say, but like, you say dinner prayer, and then you have... Like family prayer? Family prayer. And then we have our individual prayers, which is like prayer, 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 prayer. And then, and then we should be having couple prayers, which we have been having couple prayers... Recently, we've Recently, done much better. Recently, we've done a lot better with that. <laughs> so the other but the night, morning prayer is the same. Like, you wake on, up and you... No, 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 no. No, 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 Emily falls asleep. <laughs> I I'm, I'm, I'm finishing my scripture study. Emily's falling asleep. She fell asleep. And I rolled over and I said, Honey, we have to say our prayers. Can you say our prayers? I do not recall this at all. He's probably lying. <laughs> she opened her eyes, looked at me and said... You woke me up to pray? How dare you? <laughs> no, I think you said it was like, you woke me up and now you're making me say oh, yeah. the prayer. You woke me up and now you're making me say the prayer? Because the problem is if I don't, and I, I didn't this time. You, you said that and I backed off. like, okay, I'll say the prayers. So, I do not recall this at all. So. And usually, I if the reason I will ask you to say a prayer, if I have to like wake you up because you've just fallen asleep, is if I don't ask you to say the prayer, you won't I'll just remember fall anything. Asleep, right. Which I did. Which you did. You don't remember the conversation <laughs> <No>. at all. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, back to morning prayer. So like we're, we're saying like our morning, our personal morning prayer, and then we have a family morning prayer, but to get that couple prayer in is pretty difficult. So. Especially if we get up two children. Yes. Which two even though we have an alarm at 530. Freak, like this Why morning. Why are they waking up earlier? I don't know. Yeah. So that yeah. is difficult. We're working on that one. Working on it. We're better <clears throat> recently than we've been in a while. So, yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, this is a shorter episode, but I think if we want to wrap it up with loves and less than loves, cool. I would be happy with that. What's would your you be love? Happy with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. My love is that I have been reading these pioneer books, which makes me feel super cheesy. But I, if I have a kindred spirit out there that likes pioneer reading, um, please, please let me know. I would love to make a new friend. Clarify, it's not just general pioneer reading because I, I also love pioneer reading, but I love the masculine. The masculine pioneer. No, yeah, these are like not like pine. Okay, when pioneer I say pioneer, love pioneer, hallmark books. Yes, my go-to phrases like pioneer romance but it's not it's not like romance romance like it's definitely rated g um but yeah it's like regular romance novels not rated g well i don't read romance novels (laughs) (laughs) but apparently from no yeah yeah. um 
But yeah, these are like short, like 200 to 300 page books that are just like pioneer women and they're cute love stories. Um, me and my mom watched this series. It's called Love Comes Softly and it's a series of like, I don't even know how many book or movies, like six maybe or seven, I don't know. But we watched them when I was a teenager and I loved them and I... I knew they were based off a book, but I hadn't read the books before. And so I looked them up in the library, and the library has all of them. And so I've just been binging them. And I'm in the third one right now, and I'm loving it. So, yeah, that's what I'm loving. Well, I'm happy for you. It's called Love Comes Softly by Jeanette Oak, if anybody's interested. (laughs) Well, my love, I also have a love. I had a lesson love, but I actually forgot it. So I have a different love. Okay. My love right now is Hiram is in such a fun phase for me. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult phase for Emily. It is because he's in such a like a boy rowdy phase where he's just like hyper and he's bouncing off the walls and he's becoming a little more aggressive and a little more teasy towards his sister. And that's difficult to deal with all day, every day. But for Andrew, it's fun. It's fun because so we have a nightly routine with each of the kids. And each of them, has, for me at least, I have a unique thing I do with each of the kids. And Hiram and I had this one thing that we would do. He would get on his his bunk bed, so he's on the top bed, and I would get up close to the edge of the bed, and he would lean over and put his hands on my shoulders, and then I would do something different each night. And so it might be uh, grab his arms and back up so he falls off the bed, but I'm holding onto him so he doesn't fall. Or just spinning or tickling him or just something funny like that. And that was our our thing. We had a couple other small things, but that was our big thing. And since I started training jujitsu, Hiram asked me if we could if we could roll every night. So in, in jujitsu, I don't know if we've talked about this yet or not on the podcast. But I think you've mentioned it, but I'm not sure. So in jujitsu, when you are wrestling somebody or you are going at it with somebody, you call it rolling. Mm-hmm. So, so when every night he wants to roll for a few minutes, and he wants me to show him a couple of different, like a couple of different chokes, like moves and moves, and so he has two or three moves that he tries to work on every night, and he wants me to try and make him tap, mm-hmm. and it, it's super fun. I, I love doing it. We do it for five to ten minutes every night, and it actually is super helpful uh, because I'm able to. Just get the muscle memory down of doing different moves. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not ever doing them fast and never never doing them hard or anything like that. But just getting the muscle memory down it helped me today. So there was a there's a, a hold or a submission that's called a Kimura where you grab someone's wrist with one hand and then you snake your other hand under their elbow and then you grab your wrist and you slide their arm down like mm-hmm. towards their hips. And it puts a ton of pressure on their elbow. And then they'll, they'll submit. They'll tap out because it's really painful. And I was able to do that for the first time today at my jiu-jitsu class or during my jiu-jitsu class. I was able to make someone tap out because I practiced with Hiram. Because I I was able to do that because he's smaller and whatnot. <laughs> and I could, I could just practice the mechanics yeah. of it. And Hiram loves it because I taught him one one choke that if he can if he could set it up on me, he can actually knock me out. Yeah. 
I told him that there's no, he can't do it with anybody else, only me. But Right, yeah. That scares me that he knows now, but <laughs> I think I trust him that he's only going to use it on you. Yeah, and he, he loves it. He thinks it's super, super fun. And he gets really, really excited every night. And uh, I don't know, it, it's super, super satisfying as a father to kind of have that real masculine interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we don't play... I, I know a lot of fathers now get to play video games with their kids, with their sons especially, mm-hmm. but we don't really play video games. Right. And if we do, it's sporadic when we're at cousins' houses. All right. Those kinds of things. So I don't get that kind of modern father-son bonding experience, <laughs> but we get the jujitsu experience, mm-hmm. and it's really fun. Good, good. So that's my love. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening to Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. We appreciate you, and we hope you have a great week. If you've loved this episode or any of our other episodes, we would really appreciate you subscribing, following along. Go check us out on Instagram at Outpost of Heaven. And probably the most effective way you can help us out is share the podcast with a friend. Share the podcast with a friend. Yep. Yep. Send them an episode that you think they might like and give them a recommendation to to listen to us. That helps us out a ton. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay. Keep the faith. Bye.